This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is, I'm delighted to say, our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello, Ian. How are you, James? Not too bad, thank are, you. Are you a little wet after uh, our little trip earlier? Yes, I am. I am, yeah. Um, but I'm just about dried out now and ready for this. Nice one. Uh, also with me is Joe Rimmer. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And also Theo Squires. Hello, Theo. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Not too bad, thanks. Excellent. I'm glad we've all got the pleasantries out the way and we can crack on. Uh, James, you and I were at Melwood earlier today. We were listening to Jurgen Klopp talking ahead of Saturday's game against Southampton. He was fairly in good mood, but then again, he's bound to be, wouldn't he, given the (laughs) start of the season Liverpool have had. But he did have something to say about Mohamed Salah, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Salah and you know, debate about his form so far this season. Obviously, a big focus the other night wasn't there on, you know, how much was he celebrating that win? Obviously, the water bottle got thrown down. I think it obviously was blown way out of proportion when the footage clearly shows he was celebrating the goal uh, just after it had gone in. Um, But I think, yeah, the bigger picture is you can tell that he's beating himself up a little bit at the moment. I think Klopp, as you'd expect, was very keen to play down that he's got any concerns at all about Salah's form. He... He labelled his defensive work in the last two matches as outstanding, and and said that you know he's got no doubt that the goals will come. Um, you know, I think you know he was he was told that I think in his first six games for the club, Salah scored three goals. He scored two in opening six games this time around. So, you know, Klopp said, "Wow, well that that is a crisis, isn't it? If he's one behind what he was last season." Um, so yeah, just as you'd expect, really, a manager being incredibly supportive of his star man said that there were no issues certainly on his from his perspective he said you know he didn't take Salah off just because of the mistake that led to Mbappe's goal the other night said he'd responded well in training the last couple of days um so yeah keen to kind of pour cold water I guess on on any suggestions that that's an issue for anyone to be concerned about I mean Theo do you think it's just a case of expectations have risen over Mohamed Salah and that people are now just being hypercritical of the spotlight on him so much that when he like goes a game or two without scoring a goal that this is what it's going to be like yeah I'd imagine so we need to remember as well that he's very unlucky not to have three goals this season it was a very controversial decision to disallow his goal the other night um he's going to have defenders two and up and on on him this season because that's that attention but in previous years where we've seen say if Torres wasn't scoring or Suarez wasn't scoring there was a lack of goals Liverpool now have got three four players who are capable of delivering the goods so if Salah's not going to be getting the goals it's because Mane is or Firmino is Joe, are you in any way bothered or concerned about Mohamed Salah's form? As, as James said, it does seem as though he's getting a little bit frustrated at the way things are going. You can tell, I mean, and, and as Theo just said, he was, well, me and James at the time thought he was a bit unlucky to concede that goal. I haven't seen some replays. I can see why it was disallowed. But that wasn't his fault that happened. Yeah. And he was in the right place at the right time, wasn't he? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm not worried one bit. I, th- I still think he's a menace. I still think defenders are running scared about him. I, ju- I just think... He's causing problems. If you remember back to last season, he seems to be the type of player that, that needs a, a little bit of time to sort of get into the swing of things. And then once he does find that golden touch, it the goals will come. So I'm not worried at all. And, and let's face it, we were talking probably a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Firmino and saying that he wasn't quite on it at the start of the season. And then suddenly he's lit things up and, and is playing very well now. So things can change quite quickly. And, and the, like Theo's just said, the great thing for Liverpool is that 
when one guy's perhaps not doing it quite as well as he was last season, well, there's another guy like Mane stepped up this season, Firmino's playing well, and then you know all, all the midfielders are putting in great performances. So nah, I'm not worried at all. I think it's what you do about nothing. Yeah, I mean, a little anecdote from uh, from Tuesday night is I know some people who sit near to the dugout, and they said when the second goal went in for, for PSG, Klopp turned to the bench or to whoever was you know, anywhere listening or, or paying attention to what he was saying and just mouthed something like, that was my fault, as if to say... The assumption is he should have brought Salah off earlier because he thought maybe he was struggling and maybe he could see, not that he was going to make a mistake like that, but perhaps he wasn't quite on his game and it perhaps was time to make that change. Perhaps so. I, 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 I didn't know that story. I've just thrown it on you. I've just thrown it on you. Maybe that did happen, maybe it didn't. I, maybe it was No, it definitely did happen. It definitely did happen, yeah. Definitely, definitely definitely happen. Happen, yeah. Well, then... Um, I I know who that was. Yes, I know, but it let's not your, say. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mole. It was, it just clicked. Anyway, yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't even hold. All right, Salah gave the ball away. So many players will give the ball away mm. this season. I just have no issues with Salah. I think, I think he'll still, I'd still back him. I've just, I won't name him, but I've just had a bet with one of the lads in the office that he'll easily score over twenty goals this season. I've still got no issues with him. He's got two so far. He had what three last year, so. Yeah, no, no. It's because of that bet with Danny Ings, isn't it? You bet Danny Ings that he'd score more, and now Ings is outperforming him. Yeah, and he gave him a one start, didn't he? Because yeah. Ings wasn't at, <laughs> yeah, because Ings wasn't at Southampton by the, when Salah scored that first goal, so he's not counting that. Uh, James, I know we've done PSG already this week, but just in terms of, of, of what did you make of the occasion? Because I've seen people, Liverpool supporters, on Twitter and social media. Well, we shouldn't always take notice of what everybody there says but some of them were moaning about it and saying that oh we, we nearly we nearly threw it away it's like well, hang like, on hang on <laughs> hang on is this like the Mane podcast where, where Doyle, I knew Doyle I knew you were going to say that I knew you were going to say it. but the point is there were some fans who were slightly complaining about the way things had gone in that game but I think those people whose glass is only ever half well, full that's it. I was are struggling say, to find things to moan it, about it, at the it's moment happened. because yeah, yeah, did I just? You said that. Yeah, no, no, half well, empty you, even. Yeah, yeah half right? empty. Yeah, yeah, it's half empty. Well, if, you, if, you, yeah. if you're negative, <laughs> it's, it's half empty. People with empty glasses, basically. Doyle's got many an empty glass. Yeah, yeah. No, I just spot and the empty glasses. I don't no, have they an empty. Have, glass. They can't have a moan about FSG at the moment. Obviously, Klopp, you can't moan about that. Net spend boys have gone quiet as well. So, <laughs> he's going what, in. He's just he's throwing those punches. Even the Jordan Henderson bashes. I mean, this so is like the James Pierce diss track. Isn't one it? of my favourite tweets pre-match of the night was I saw someone, uh, a fan had said that that was that that was Henderson's final chance, and if he didn't take it the other night, he would be finished with him. Yeah. So I'm sure that would be a big relief to Jordan yeah. Henderson. The yeah. fact that. He may well have got back in that fella's good books, but yeah, well, there I you think... go. You've just come up with a load of people who are being negative. You, the, the point I was going to make is that no, no, as this you, was as before you said, the event. Yeah. But then Henderson but... had a fantastic game, arguably second only to James Milner. Um, no, that was PSG, are like an, an unbelievably yeah. gifted team. Like their, their front three cost four hundred million. Well, you, million you only had to see that second goal that they scored. Oh, okay, it, it was just yeah. just a great goal, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And, and, and Liverpool that... absolutely outplayed them for the vast majority. Of the night, that was. That's why I think I wrote in my stuff that I thought that was as good as Liverpool had yeah. played any time en route to Kiev last season, because of the caliber of the opposition they were facing. Um, it was interesting hearing Klopp today say, talking about the atmosphere, wasn't mm. it? Because well, it's going to come on to that. Yeah, because we I mean, said, didn't he, that you know, he said if that had been an empty stadium in that game, forget it. You know, the the power of Anfield coming to the fore once again. Um, 
and obviously hoping, well, demanding that fans replicate that on on Saturday. I don't think that's particularly realistic. But he also thinks that it's going to be dark by the time of the, the second half. I'm not sure he's quite... Yeah, not unless it's some kind of eclipse <laughs> coming in that we don't know about. I mean, Theo, you know, we've just joked there a little bit about the, about the naysayers, but it, as James said, it's almost like people are now... It's almost like they're worried to be encouraged to be to get carried away. They don't want to get carried away, so they think they're trying to nitpick a little bit, aren't they? Yeah, well, with Liverpool as well, you never usually get that excited this early on because it's not always an early start. You think the previous title challenges, it's been uh, like the Fulham away when Bernayoun scored or that final stretch of the season when you've got the Norwich victory. You think, oh, we're going to do it now. We're going to win the league. To be in this position when you've won every game in September, it's unheard of in my lifetime. So I suppose, yeah, there is that nitpick in there. You think, oh, it's not going to go our way because it hasn't gone our way before. So uh, it's just playing down those hopes to avoid disappointment later on. I mean, or is it, as James has said, is it just the, the moaners who are desperately trying to find something to moan? Because as we mentioned earlier, there was the Salah thing about the bottle. And then there was, I think, after the Tottenham game, there was people, some people complaining that Mane didn't pass to Salah or vice versa. Is it just people are just desperately trying to find something just to moan about? Before that, we had it with Alisson, didn't we, after Leicester as well? There's always got to be something. There always has to be something. Now, I'm glad you mentioned the record then, because we're having a debate over whether or not Liverpool start to the season is their best one. How long is it, James? Since well, 19... At the moment, since six, 1961, was it? 60, 60, six, no, 61, 62. 61, 62. 62. And that it's will... the last time they won their first six competitive fixtures. However, are we saying that the Community Shield, or as it used to be called, the Charity Shield, is that a competitive game? Because if it's not, then That it's... is the grey area, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so, you're going so down to 1990. historian Jed Ray, who is absolutely top-notch with these stats, he, he's, he checked back and... But yeah, beyond 61-62, Liverpool have never won their first seven. But obviously, if you discount the charity shield, then 1990-91, Dog Leash's side won 10 in a row, uh, eight in the League, two in the League Cup. But that was after a 1-1 draw with with Manchester United and the charity shield. So, What what does Jad say? What does Jad count? he He does say that if Liverpool beat Southampton... It'll be the first time they've ever won yeah. their so first seven. The so he's counting the charity shield. I suppose you have to in a way that competitive fixtures. If you have to in the way that if somebody scored a hat trick, that would count towards their goal tally for that season. Yeah, I count. I count the charity shield. Yeah, it always felt to me like the curtain raiser on the season. Yeah. But so. the thing about the game against United, uh, they played United in that charity shield and drew. Is that those were the days where you could share it? Yeah. So it could yeah. be a draw. Whereas nowadays, if it was a draw, I think it goes to pens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're saying that this will be the record if they win. Yeah, yeah, only because I suppose it is nitpicking, isn't it? But I, I count the charity shield. I've always seen it as the first official game of the new season. When was the last time you watched one? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's to be honest, for me, I was sort of as a marker of like the yeah. new season is yeah. here. So, yeah. Theo, are you in agreement? We all, well, I'm I'm in agreement that yeah, you have to get the count the charity shield. So if they do beat Southampton, that is the record. Are you going along with that? Yeah, I'd count the charity shield. If we're going to say uh, Liverpool won five trophies in 2001 and make a big deal out of that at the time, the Super Cup, then you've got to count it. I mean, James, going back to the, the atmosphere, hmm. I mean, as you've said, I know Klopp's done this before, hasn't he? He has come out and said, look, we've got these big games, European nights, and the, the, you know, the games where we play Everton, United, Chelsea, they're the, the kind of the big teams like City. But it's these games like Brighton at home, it was a little bit... Flat. That, I mean, that's West, an understatement. Yeah, West Ham yeah. was different because that was the first game, and I think yeah. people were getting a little bit excited about it. But he's quite keen for them to not just reserve themselves for those kind of occasions. He wants it like that every game. Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you think of it from his point of view, like 
European nights undoubtedly bring the best out of fans. But you, what you, I think, if you ask most Liverpool fans, what do you want more than anything? You want to win the Premier League title, don't you? That's and Liverpool have, are now faced with arguably their, one of their best opportunities to do that in twenty nine years. So you kind of think the atmosphere should be absolutely buoyant for every game, but for whatever reason, I think the various factors that contribute to it, it isn't the same. I mean, that, that Brighton game, I could not believe how quiet, you know, it was almost like a testimonial at times. And, you know, I think the debate's been had many times, hasn't it? I think, I think obviously a night game, I think just there's something special about Anfield under the lights. It just, the, the noise levels are different. The, the club's affinity with the Champions League. I think obviously on a weekend game, you also get, I think, more, Day trippers coming in from all over the place who who maybe don't generate the same kind wouldn't of atmosphere. You, wouldn't you say that's the other way around? I know Joe's shaking his head at me. Just shake it. Just Pierce takes aim. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you? Name, just looking at. I was going to say, wouldn't that, you say that's the other way around Nets though? Wouldn't boys you? Slagged off day tripper, day trippers. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with. with no, I, know, I, know, I, know, saying, I know a lot James, of day trippers who come over and and make a huge amount of noise. But I, I also well, you used to be one, didn't you? Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Like, I think, do you know what? There was an amazing image the other night. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, Firmino celebrating just after he scored, and there's a. Ball I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. And nobody's yeah. got their but phone no, out. Yeah, and that, I saw that, and somebody else pointed that out as well. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't, don't you know. It's ridiculously simplistic to say that weekend games you get more people who are there almost to like as if they're going to the theatre and savour the occasion or whatever. That is that's too simplistic to say. But you've but just there said is, it. Well, can no, I, but you, I think there is there is something. Can I can I give you a counter argument because I think it might be the opposite. I, I th- think, I'm agreeing I, with you. I, I think, think it's the way around. My, yeah. my dad has gone to match for however many years, thirty, forty years or whatever, and he's gone every week on on a Saturday, and you almost like take it for granted. And he goes and he sits and he watches it. He sits in the in the upper main stand, the so the Kenny Dalglish stand, and he doesn't get excited about Southampton at home, and and perhaps my dad's the problem, but. <laughs> Loads of people like my dad will go every week, and they don't they don't get excited for a day tripper. They will get excited, and and I think they're more likely to make noise because they're coming. They might be coming to once to Anfield all season, so I think that those. I think the difference between the European nights is you have to buy the tickets. I know you can go in the Auto Cup scheme and stuff, but I don't know. I just think it's the, the people I, I, that I go every week. I know, you're not on the point. I'm trying I, I know. To make, you're trying, right? I think the point also you're trying to make us in a way is that. Because they're the regulars, they're the ones that are the hard. They're the hardest people to please. And yeah, so you yeah. can't impress them yeah. as much as you can do. Some people who turn up once in a while and go, "Oh my god, this is amazing." Whereas yeah. if these these are the ones that sit through your Southampton at home, your Brighton at home. Yeah. So if they can see a game's going a certain way, and they've done it year in yeah, year exactly. out, exactly. Yeah. And a lot of them will have been knocking around since the seventies and eighties, and they'll have seen what it's like for a Liverpool team to win the league. So yeah. they know that it wasn't brilliant like atmosphere every single week. Most times it wasn't. Yeah. And that's always been the case. Sorry, Dad, anyway. I suppose you've got to look at the, like the context of the games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, sorry, Theo. Yeah, you've got to look at the context of the games as well. Because my mate asked me the other day, as a Liverpool fan, what would you rather win, the league or the Champions League? And you say, well, the league, obviously. But you don't remember the league games at the end of it. So if Liverpool end the drought this year, you're still going to be saying, oh, that PSG game was great. Not, oh, we beat Southampton. You get those away, you make those memories. You play in these league teams every year. You know what's going to happen. And we've had all these years where we've been playing them and not winning the league. Whereas even if you go to a Champions League final and lose to Real Madrid, your keeper throws two in his own net. Still made so many good memories along the way there. And it's against the best players on the planet. 
That is a very good, a good point. Very that is point. a very good point. That's, that's why he's in this podcast. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, James, are you going to backtrack on what you've said, or are you in full of standing by your slaughtering of the day trippers? No, I, think <laughs> I, wasn't, I, think I wasn't doing that at all. As you said, I was one myself for many years. So, yeah. uh, so no, I just, I just think that is an element to it that you do sometimes see people there on, for a game like this. Because another factor is because it's only Southampton home, like. I get asked for a lot, you know, friends and whatever for tickets for, you know, do you know anyone that any spares? And the, I, I know there's quite a few spares knocking around for this weekend because there is just that general. It's only I just don't, I know how many tweets are you going to get out of You've opened yourself up to that. It's james.p. Just put on the corner of the Anfield Road at 2.30 To be fair to Twitter, it found his phone last week. So come on. So come on. Anyway, James. But then I did then, my good luck ran out. 24 hours later when I hit a bollard in the NCP. So We could be here all day if we're going to talk about your misfortunes. Let's not, not, let's not go, talk about the dog. Let's not no, talk about the dog. No, let's not talk about the dog. It's been a bad time. <laughs> bad, bad few Come weeks here. for Jay, yeah. to be Come fair. Here, James. So yeah. the last thing I yeah. need is people abusing me for saying anything nasty about day trippers. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, so I'd like to make it abundantly clear I did not say that. And if you'd like to be a day tripper, James has got plenty of tickets yeah. there. Yeah. James Pierce Echo on Twitter, just in case you didn't know. Get but your flights it is unrealistic to think that the the atmosphere will be anything like it was for PSG the other night. It's just, it's just a, a and no no club does it. Does it? No. There's, there's no club there that's every game is like a like PSG the other night. And at least Liverpool are selling out. You look so uh, Man City yeah. in midweek, they couldn't sell out. And if you look in Spain at the likes, I know there's a, we could be here all day talking about yeah. this, about there's reasons for why Real Madrid and Barcelona don't sell out. But they're the two, let's face it, the biggest clubs in the world yeah. who could sell tickets to whoever and whoever. And they don't. Yeah. Because some people just don't want to watch them play. Leganes at home or anyone like that. Liverpool sell out every week, don't they? I, I, I just don't think it's realistic to expect crazy atmospheres every week it's just you've got to accept it and the, the players have got to get through it and get themselves up for it now it we, works both ways isn't it? now even going back to a couple of weeks ago Jurgen Klopp's been at pains to point out that this game is actually taking place because when people were talking about the run of seven games in 23 days I think we've decided it is they look at the, you know, the Tottenham away game City at home the two against Chelsea and the two Champions League games and everyone forgot Theo that Southampton Slap bang there in the middle. One person who hasn't forgotten is Klopp, and even today he was talking about you know people talk about this run and they've forgotten about Southampton. This to us, it, in some ways, it is the most difficult game. Yeah, we've seen Southampton. They turn up at Anfield and they've got a result before St Mary's. They've managed to get results before. You can't take them for granted. I know they've got a bit of a lightweightness up front at the moment because I think they've got a couple of injuries. Danny Ings obviously can't play, but those are the games in the past that Liverpool have bottled it. So hopefully. Uh, it's going to carry on with their run this week. Do you think that's part of the reason why he was, why Klopp was bigging up the crowd? He wants the players because he did say, as James said, that if they'd have played that game in an empty stadium on Tuesday, they wouldn't have won. Yeah, I'd imagine so because it is the one that you're going to look at and think, "Oh, what do we do here?" But then you've got to remember, coming up after we've got Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, and it's like, how serious are you about winning a trophy, or how serious are you about league as priority, Champions League as the priority? So it's about getting that team selection right to get the fans up. Because if you've got the day drippers coming, some of them are going to want to see Shakiri, some of them are going to want to see Kaita, those new signings, and that's a bit of added excitement there. So it's just about getting that balance. And James, is this the forgotten game to you? No, I hadn't forgotten about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was always in my diary. Um, no, I think... Don't be frivolous. I think, no, but no, I think the issue that Klopp was asked about today is is right in terms of what was it, six draws after 
Champions League in in the league games followed Champions League games. It was like last twelve, season. wasn't it? Twelve games, yeah. The um and you know I can you know you think back to some of them and it there it was a real case of after the Lord Mayor show not just in case in, not just in terms of the atmosphere but in terms of performance levels as well because I think despite all the talk about you know Liverpool being a different force this season so much better defensively so much better depth the bench looking so strong I don't care like it's still very difficult to lift yourself from the emotional high of of midweek beating PSG especially in the manner in which they did it um psychologically probably more than physically for a game like this so I'd be amazed if this was like a real stroll in the park for Liverpool although Southampton haven't been great so far this season uh and they'll miss Danny Ings who you know there hasn't been much for Saints fans to to cheer so far but Ings has been a one big plus you know with him not being able to play because you know he's officially on loan that plays into Liverpool's hands but I think this this will be a similar game to Brighton at home in terms of having to grind out a result, um, and then you know it would just be interesting to see how Klopp approaches it team wise because that's that's the fascinating thing for me. Anyway, he, he spoke today about you know, again about the the depth, and you wonder whether is this the game where he freshens things up or does he back them to get through this one and then we see the wholesale changes in midweek against Chelsea. I mean, we'll come to the team selection in a, in a, in a short while, but Joe, the interesting thing, I spoke to Jan Molby earlier this week for his column and he said that Liverpool are playing with a certain maturity, whereas last season they felt as though they had to win every game 3 or 4-0 because they were proving a point. This year, they go into games knowing that they're probably going to win, unless it's like a, a really big game. No, they're going to win most of the games and they're kind of controlling it from there on in. And I know it's made things a little bit more frenetic than maybe it could have been, say, for example, against Leicester and, to a lesser degree, Tottenham. It shows that they don't have to go out firing on all cylinders. They don't have to do that, do they? Absolutely right, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think that's the big change for Liverpool this season is they look a more reserve side. Last season, it felt sometimes like they were just going on the attack constantly and it, it cost them at times. You know, They threw, threw away results early in the season, didn't they? And then when it clicked, they were better. But this year, they just feel... I think the other day I mentioned that I felt like they were, they've gone from more of a Dortmund into a Bayern Munich. They feel like a controlling team. They feel a class above now. And what was impressive about the Tottenham game is that they went and controlled the game in a way at a very difficult opponent. So, yeah, go along with that 100%. But I think I do agree with James. I get the feeling tomorrow could be a bit of a Brighton and they could have to grind it out because, yeah, it, it, sometimes it just does fall flat after big European games. Um but I do back this side to have the maturity to, to grind it out and get a 1-0 or 2-1 win. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Theo, do you think Liverpool have turned into a bunch of control freaks? I suppose you've got to look at the defence part of that, don't we? So like last season, you have to score four because there's always the opportunity that your defence is going to concede three. But now we've got that added confidence with Van Dijk and Alisson. There's that faith there that they're going to keep a clean sheet and not need to exhaust themselves by scoring as many as possible to still get the result. OK then, James, we will do the team then. I mean, what are you expecting Klopp to do with his team? How many changes? Is this one where he's going to make quite a few or is he going to keep them to a minimum? Or whatever? What's that with Salah then? Do you think he'll, he'll play? Yeah, I mean, we do our team selector, don't mm. we? And we, I was in two minds thinking... Whether to do it or not. Whether to, yeah, <laughs> whether to be bo- just ignore your email. Um, and I thought, why not? I'll pick one. And you d- I did think, would you maybe rest Salah? But then, then I thought, do you know what? I thought back to this fixture last season. He scored twice that day. Um, and I think he needs a goal. I just think, I don't, you know, I don't see him featuring against Chelsea in midweek. So, I, yeah, I, I would 
I, I, I would be surprised if he made many changes. I think Naby Keita will come back mm. in. I think, you know, he's shown in the last few weeks that that's an area where he does like a fresh pair of legs when, um, when, when the opportunity arises. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if maybe even James Milner got given a breather after you know, covered so much ground and put in two unbelievable shifts against Tottenham and PSG. Um, but I think I wonder whether that might be the only change. The only one I thought, you know, again, you, you think it'd be harsh to leave Sturridge out, hmm. but then I, I think you've got to have Firmino back in. I think I think Sturridge will start in midweek against Chelsea. And then I was toying with finding room for Shakiri just because, you know, I, even though he hasn't played a huge amount of minutes so far, I just feel like every time he's come on, he's made a contrib- contribution. We did know. it on did it on Tuesday, didn't he? Yeah. He's only on for, for about <laughs> six or seven minutes, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. But you know, he, he, I think he won, he won the corner, didn't he? And then probably delivered the corner yeah. as well that, that led to the goal. And I think even even at Leicester a few weeks back, you know, at a time when Liverpool were f- flustered and under the cosh a little bit, just kept the ball really wisely and, and used it well, took the pressure off. Um, so yeah, I think he would be the only one. But then I was thinking, who do you leave out? Maybe, maybe Mane. But in the end, I think I, I I stuck with I stuck with the front three and just brought in Kaita for Milner. Joe, what did you go with? I made a couple of changes. I, I don't want to see whole cha- wholesale changes on Wednesday, so I'd like to split the difference and, and have a couple of tweaks for you. You game. like the League Cup, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just think we'll do- I just don't think you give up opportunities to win trophies, and I know it's not I know it's not priority, but you've got to develop a winning mentality, and to do that, you've got to win trophies. And all you look at all the best teams in the last twenty years, and they've all won that League Cup. I'd give and, you a game on Wednesday. <laughs> well. I'd, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, you I'm glad you're not the manager of Liverpool. You should be asking what position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wherever well, you want. <laughs> I, I, th- I would start storage on, on Saturday and I'd start Firmino on Wednesday night. Really? Yes, really. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. What, what about Salah? Would you keep everybody else there? Yeah, i keep Salah in and mm. I would give him the rest on Wednesday night. What about um, the midfield? I do think he needs a goal. In midfield, I would drop Wijnaldum this weekend because I think he's played a lot of football um, and bring in Cater and go a little bit more attacking. Um, and then I'd let Fabinho make his debut on Wednesday night. Deal? I'm uh, siding with James here. I've got for Kaita. Oh, don't encourage him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got Kaita coming in, but for Henderson, because I think uh, with Chelsea, it is going to be quite a few changes, so it'd be good to have Henderson's leadership in that one. And I've got Firmino coming back in for Sturridge. Let Sturridge attack against his former club. Um, the other day it was his first start of the season. We still got that doubt, I suppose, about his body. So to have him starting twice in quick succession, let's still ease him back in because we all need him over the course of the season. I think I've gone with Cater in for Henderson because I think people forget that he did play in the World Cup and you've seen what happened with Tottenham, certainly against Liverpool. In fact, I've got the last three games that they've lost. They've been jaded and you, know, you have to look at Harry Kane. He's, he looks as though he's been playing football forever. He looks like he can't yeah, even run. Um, so Henderson's one where they don't need to risk him and I think... It was interesting Klopp did say something about he's opened the bottle now. He said that after the, the PSG game where he's got all, of, you know, he's, mm. he's now back to full speed. So there's no point, I don't think, in playing him, bring Cater in. And I actually would rest Salah. I think I have him on the bench and give Shakiri run out for all the reasons that, that James has said. You don't agree, Joe? You just uh, I, don't, I don't disagree. I, I, I agree with James on that. I think Salah needs a goal just to, so we can stop talking about him um, and... Yeah, and I just think I'd like to see him play against Southampton. I don't want to see him drop because I think that could make that could be a big deal. It's yeah, not, yeah, it's not, tro- is it's not dropped though. Is it's it? not dropped. It's not but, dropped. But, but but that's not the way people will see it, will they? We can sit around and say he's not dropped, but on match of the day they'll say he's been dropped, yeah. and then a lot of the national newspapers they'll say he's been dropped because 
because that's the way the why the country will see it. But I think locally we know that Liverpool now got the options to move things around. But I, I, I want to see a strong team on Wednesday mm. night because I, I just think take an opportunity there and go go and win the League Cup. They're not they're not playing a, a Championship side. They're playing a good team there, so they need some some good players. I know we're going back to Salah, but I wouldn't mind a goal drought like that. Is it? It's only what two three games. <laughs> yeah. it's three, I think it's three, isn't it? And he's never gone four, has he? You I think, think of, that's right, or it's four the most, or it's it's something like that. And then we think of Firmino. He's what um, before he's got that goal against was it Leicester? Mm. He hasn't scored since Roma home leg. Mm. So yeah, you've got the summer in the middle of that. But that was such a longer run without a goal, where he's gone jaded in games where he's needed to step up. And there was nowhere near as much talk about that. No, no. Well, then, but then again, he's, he didn't score forty odd goals, did he, last year? So mm. it's always going to as brings us back to what we were saying before. It's about expectation, isn't it? Now, obviously, Firmino came off the bench on uh, on Tuesday, scored a winner. Joe, he's the only player, Liverpool player, to have scored a winner from the bench in the past two or so years. But I wrote something this week about substitutions and how they're now making a positive effect, a positive change. Klopp, you only had to look at the Champions League final last last season. He only made two subs, despite the fact Liverpool were you know, losing 2-1, 3-1. He wouldn't bring on anybody else because he thought there wasn't anybody else that could improve the team. But from having this debate... Talking about the squad strength, yep. it's the, this is exactly now where we're going to find out whether or not it really is as strong as everybody's been led to believe. Yeah, it feels feels night and day from last season when, you know, if we sat here talking about what changes we could make in you know, up front in attack, no one would be sitting here saying, "Oh, let's get Solanke in and and give you know and, and give Firmino a rest." But now there's genuine debate as to whether Storage, if Storage is left out tomorrow, we're it's harsh, isn't it? You know, he's, he played very well in midweek. Um, against Paris Saint-Germain and yeah it, it, it's night and day and, and Klopp's recruited really really well in the summer and added to which people like Storage have come back to the floor which is, is really good to see because he's, he's got so much more quality than, than the other strikers they had available last season Now James you've been a, a busy person this week on your day off you went off and uh, to Bruce Grovelard didn't you? It wasn't my day off, actually. Was it? No. Was it? No, when was it, was it? It was just after hours. Oh, was it? Yeah, sorry. Apologies. Um, okay, in your time when you were not supposed to be working, <laughs> you did some work. How about that? It was, yeah, he's done his autobiography. Um, and uh, I must admit, I started reading it last night, and it is a it's a cracking read. Um, he's got had an unbelievable, unbelievable life when um, you, know, you consider born in South Africa, grew up in Zimbabwe. National service meant he was... He was fighting in the Rhodesia Bush War as a teenager, um, and, and football was his escape, really, from the from the horrors of of war. And played in in Canada for Vancouver Whitecaps before, obviously, getting spotted uh, by Bob Paisley and, and coming to Liverpool in in eighty one. And obviously, enjoyed this unbelievable career. And you know, it's it's a fascinating story when you think the the, the time that his Liverpool career spanned from you know Paisley's period in charge through Joe Fagan, Kenny Dalglish, and then, you know, a, a decade of unprecedented success, really. And then Liverpool almost fallen off a cliff, really, in the early 90s, under Sooners before Gravelar left and joined Southampton in 94. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, it's going it's to be a cracking read for, for all Liverpool fans. And then, obviously, you know, one of the things I spoke about with him, the, the interview has been published online Friday night and then Saturday's Echo, is about the match-fixing allegations, which obviously dogged him in the mid-90s and still dog him to a degree today, I think. You know, you only have to mention his name on social media and you know, the wisecracks come back about brown envelopes and, and bungs and all the rest of it. And, and I think he knows that. You know, he spoke very openly about... You know, he, I think one of his quotes to me was, you know, mud sticks, and he hopes that this book could be a almost like a washing-off exercise in terms of putting in black and white exactly what went on 
you know, adamant that he got stitched up by his business part- partner, Chris Vincent, at the time. And, and, and just spelling out exactly how he found himself in that position, that he was suddenly at the heart of this sting operation between Vincent and the Sun newspaper. Of course, he, you know, he subsequently was cleared in court and won a libel case against the Sun newspaper. Um, but you know, with with those, I think the Sun appealed against that judgment. Yeah. Is is no damages, wasn't it? it yeah, was the, zero I mean, damages. It was, it, the damages went from eighty five yeah. grand to a pound, which is mm. obviously the minimum you can have. And then he was faced with the Sun's court costs, which um, effectively back where well, they did bankrupt him. Um, so, and then since then, you know, even from then, he obviously trying to restore that reputation. You know, as a, he's had a successful career as a coach. Uh, in South Africa, Zimbabwe, in Canada, and two earlier on this year with Ottawa Fury, and and now he's talking about going into politics uh, in his native Zimbabwe. So, um, yeah, just a fascinating guy, and you know, a, a cracking read for all Liverpool fans. Was he on Hell's Kitchen or did I dream that? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's game. He's game Probably for quite a lot of stuff. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, he? he was on it. it was quite a few yeah. years ago. Now, did he get bollocked by Gordon Ramsay? Can I, I say th- you, you just uh, did. <laughs> our swearing, <laughs> yes, well, swearing correspondent Joe Rim has just plumbed sorry. more depth. So sorry about that. Your dad's going to be ashamed. He is. Well, he's, 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 off. he's turned yeah. it off already. Yeah. He's all right. Yeah, sorry, Dad. Uh, yeah. Would you have seen him play, Joe? No, before my time. I, you know, what I found found mad. I was just reading through James's piece before. Imagine now if Liverpool bought a, a goalkeeper from Vancouver Whitecaps, <laughs> and he became he became one of the yeah. best goalkeepers in their history. Well, well, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Isn't it's it? the fact that they yeah. bought him and they, I had a they, nightmare start. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, yeah, they yeah. bought him and to expect to, they were going to like blood him in the reserves like they used mm. to do for like a year or two. But then Ray Clements left, mm. and they just went, "Oh well, we've got him, so we'll throw a yeah. bit and we'll see." What happens. I mean, it's hard to believe now, but the, the bit, slightly before my time, even the, the start of his career, but. He was doing handstands during the game. Yeah, you know, we've all yeah, seen the picture yeah. of him doing it afterwards, Swinging celebrating. Yeah, yeah, it was like, he was doing all sorts, and yeah. it's like, okay, you know, there's a time and place for that. And it's not while they've got while we're on the attack kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, so, but you know, James, was he one of your heroes when you were growing up? Um, I have to admit, I, I was a big fan. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I loved him. I mean, I, was, I must admit, I was kind of more down the other end of the pitch in terms of. This surprises Aldo, me. This surprises Aldo me. Aldo and yeah. Rush were my. And Barnes were my main ones as a kid, but yeah, love Brucey as well. I mean, Theo, obviously, you're a lot younger than the rest of us here, so you only. He's not that much younger than me, is he? No, I think you'll find he's significantly younger. He than looks, you. he looks yeah. a lot younger. Yeah. Than <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, mature. It's interesting how you view Bruce Grobbler and players from that era, because obviously, that's an era when Liverpool were winning things. Me and James were were around and actually watching it, whereas you've only seen like clips and on YouTube or television and, and read about it or when we talk about it now. I mean, what, how do you view players such as him? I think that shows a lot about how much mud sticks because with all that match fixing stuff, if it had been a lesser player, I think it would have stuck even more. But you've still got that reputation of Grobelar as one of the greats, but he hasn't done as much with the club as so many other legends and some of them haven't achieved anywhere near as much as him. Hmm. So I suppose he is still rebuilding that reputation, but yeah, he's up there, isn't he, with one of the best. I mean, how old is he? He's got to be about 61, isn't he? He's 60, going on to be 61 next month. Which is very interesting. It's just, you know, it's how how he's rehabilitated himself as well, James. Yeah, well, I think I think much to his kind of pain that it's that it's taken so long. Um, you know, I think, and, and that it's still an ongoing process, I think that's the thing. I mean, I think the, the fascinating thing in the book, which he keeps on referring to, is... Almost like he admits at certain stages that I know this looks bad. I know 
because you know any and again I'd urge anyone to to read it for themselves but he kept on meeting this guy who was obviously wired up secret cameras everything else to to try and entrap him and 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 there's certain points where you read it and you're thinking why on earth are you not now going to the police you know mm. because it, his argument was where he was getting evidence yeah. together to then go to the police because this was a business partner that had already completely kind of ripped him off in terms of that they had a failed interest in a in a safari camp in Africa um and you kind of thought well, you know well, well why 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 has he found himself in that position but you know he do, he does explain it in the book in terms of that was just in his nature you know you you, you sort things out for you you know he he'd been brought up to, you know you sort things out for yourself he was intrigued what on earth this guy was up to who was behind this alleged match fixing stuff so he he went along with it that obviously uh, you know at times yeah, he did make some inappropriate comments, or you know, take took a brown envelope that had been given to him. That then he insisted afterwards he'd then give him back or put back in a car or something. But you know, there's you can certainly it kind of opens your eyes to to you know that that period in his in his life and just how much I think he re- you can tell as well what leaps off the pages is how much he regrets you know not doing things differently. Um, you know, for example, you know, I think. He says in there that his wife had warned him about this guy mm. numerous times that he was bad news, and you know he was like, "Don't, don't be stupid." You know, he, he'd met him in a wine bar in Chester initially, um, so yeah, it's just it was sad in a way that you know we're talking about a quarter of a century on. That's it's such a crazy mm. amount of time, and as Theo said, you know, when you look at what he won, I think it's six league titles, three FA Cups, three League Cups, a European Cup. You know, he he should be regarded right up there amongst the, the the greatest and I think it's sad in a way that he doesn't have quite that status mm. just because there's almost that asterisk next to his name because of those allegations that got thrown out in court. I mean one final thing then that people may have missed is that on Thursday Liverpool actually officially started work on their new training ground which will be based at the uh, current uh, academy in Kirby. They'll be leaving Melwood. The, Joe the idea is to be out or they're com- Con- convinced that they will be out by 20 just making sure you're listening yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wake up <laughs> <laughs> making sure uh, they're in by the start of the 2020-21 season uh, Jurgen Klopp was there and he was basically saying more or less well I'll be here for then you know so we'll, we'll get this done and he, everybody's basically saying this is a, an important development and it's also underlines that FSG as they always have been from the start here for the long haul the stuff that they said they were going to do such as the main stand they did it they're looking at the Anfield Road end still. They're regenerating around Anfield, and now they're doing a, the academy. Yep. Could you elaborate a little bit further, please? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want me to elaborate on? The, the I would like to elaborate on the fact that a this is further proof that FSG are ah, okay. actually so, well, li- living up to their yeah. promises, certainly in that respect, and b that this is a, a good move for Liverpool in the fact that they can have the youngsters and the first team all on the same site because that's something that Jurgen Klopp's been quite keen to achieve. Good question. In. Yeah. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, FSG. Got there in the end. <laughs> yeah. for, for a long time, I, I've said that. I, They've made mistakes in terms of little things that they've done, or not little things, sorry, but ticket prices, that sort of thing. But in terms of investing money in Liverpool, I don't think there can be any doubts that they've done that both on and off the pitch. Um, I think they've been very good owners, and, and I think the proof's in the pudding of where Liverpool are now compared to where they were when they took over. Um, is it a good move? Time will tell, I think so. It makes sense, doesn't it? It, it doesn't really make sense to have an academy separate and so far separate from um, the, the first team training ground. I think it's good to have them all in one place, I'm sure, for the likes of Klopp. 
who would like to be at the academy a lot more regularly, I think it'd be a lot easier for him. So, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Theo, I hope I'm not giving too much away by saying that you used to work for, for Bolton Wanderers, the club. Uh, and I think a lot of fans, what they forget is that the training ground is where the players and the staff, they spend most of their time there, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, it's funny that we've got this comparison here because until a couple of years ago, Bolton had their training ground separate. So they had the academy just down the road from the stadium and then they had the first team training ground in Exton. Um, slightly different circumstances here, but the club had to sell the training ground and all the first team had to move to the academy. And it's taken them a while to get things up to speed by putting a gym in and stuff like that. But you speak to any of the coaching staff there and they're loving it because they can have, say, a player impressing in the under-18s or the 23s. And, and they're in one session, they can just speak to the manager and say, great, get him up here, we'll train with us in the afternoon. And they love that close relationship. Um, the coaching staff there are all ex-pros, so under-23s manager, David Lee. I think some of our older Liverpool fans yes, will remember I, him. Yes, I was there for that game. Yes. Um, older. <laughs> Academy manager Jimmy Phillips, he's another one. And then they're there, they've got that close relationship with Phil Parkinson. And a few of these players have been linked to Liverpool in the past, or they've got moves elsewhere. We've seen uh, Rob Holding at Arsenal. Josh Feller was linked with Liverpool a few times. So that's there at a Championship League One club. So if you're doing it with money at Premier League standard, and Liverpool are already producing a lot of good young players that are already getting opportunities. It's only going to increase that going forward. James, was it uh, the right time to leave Melwood? Yeah, I think it'll be sad when the time eventually comes just because there's so much history and tradition attached to the place. And, but... and it's nearer to your house as well. And it is nearer to my <laughs> house, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the main factors. Um, but, uh... Did they ask you about this? <laughs> no, they didn't. No, quite rude, really. Um, but, you know, the massive thing is it's, it, it's FSG backing Klopp's vision for the club going forward and... You know that's a massive positive. You know I think it's two hundred million pounds they've committed in total to the infrastructure of the club. If you if you add add in obviously the main stand and you know what they did with the you know the massive amount of money spent on the pitch, improvements to the stadium, the new club shop, um, and then fifty million quid on the new training ground as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's all geared towards you know Klopp has put Liverpool back amongst Europe's elite, and then things like this are geared towards ensuring they they stay there because you know I think. Even long before they made the announcement that they'd be doing this, it was pretty clear there have been numerous examples of times you've been at Melwood and you knew it was a frustration for Klopp that Melwood was so small. You know, the meeting rooms are very thin on the ground. You know, it's it's just it's just not big enough for what Liverpool need and what a modern football club needs with the the, the staff and and everything that goes with it. And you know, I think it's also he's spoken before about the frustration. Of not been able to just you know because he doesn't have you know a spare three hours or two hours to drive to Kirby to go and do something and then drive back you know it's you know he wants it's to be able far. to no but you know what I mean yeah, in I know terms what you mean, of yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. It just it's just different isn't it than if it's you've inconven- got, it's inconvenient you know, if, isn't it anyway, yeah. if it's ten to one and you've got a meeting at yeah. one you know if you can just walk across and there's an under tens game going on I mean how brilliant is that going to be for the kids that you know and I think Klopp spoke before about you know if, you know if some young strikers that are doing a session under 12s whatever you know Roberto Firmino could just could could wander over and maybe maybe help out for five minutes and and even for just for the kids to be able to see them I think that's the big thing as well you know that's what you aspire to you know it's it's never been ideal the fact that there was this what was it eight nine mile gap between Kirby and Melwood um so yeah it's it's going to be sad when the day comes but it's definitely a positive for Liverpool going forward I think that should do us even. Uh, just a reminder that uh, if you're listening on iTunes, Acast or Spotify to 
review, rate, and subscribe to the show. And also leave some nice comments or Michael Pearson, our podcast champion, will cry. Join us next week where we will have what our What about predictions? <laughs> <laughs> do, you want, do you want to do predictions? Yeah, we got to do predictions. All right, then we'll do predictions then. God, when do we got to do predictions? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, go down. Do you have you got something off? Do you want to get off your chest? One nil Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Joe I thought he was going to say one nil yeah, Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one nil. That's very much unlike you. That's that's that's, uh, that's, 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 that's about as negative mm. as you could possibly get. Two nil Liverpool. I think one nil Liverpool. Sorry. Yeah, two nil Liverpool. And that this time, that really is it. <laughs> I think it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week where we will look back at the Southampton game and ahead to the League Cup game against Chelsea where Joe Rimmer will say lots of lovely, nice things about the League Cup. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.